What is up, everybody? It is the Make It Happen podcast with myself, Nolan Ohm. Today, we have the professor, the man, the myth, the legend, Canada's top premier CrossFit athlete, Brent Fikowski. It's going to be a great one. I'm so excited. I really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Please rate, review, share the show around. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this content that I'm giving you guys. I want to give you everything that you need to make it happen, whatever that means to you in your life, to make it happen in your life and to get that much closer to the ultimate version of yourself and the life on your terms. So I really hope you guys have have been enjoying these episodes and content, uh, and I would really, really appreciate it if you guys would share it around and, and rate and review it. It really helps the show grow, which in turn helps more people make it happen. And you know what they say, in life, a rising tide raises all boats. So let's all push each other to greatness, to being the best versions of ourselves, and, and you sharing that show is one step closer to that. So without further ado, here is the man, Brent. Okay, well, Brent, thanks for uh, having me at the gym again. I've, you know, been here a couple times, but we were talking earlier, like, every single time I come back, there's another new piece of equipment, and now we got two massive pulleys on the wall. So. <laughs> yeah, big cable stacks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've been waiting. I know we've been talking for a while about getting you on, but we finally got you on, so thanks for having me here and then coming on. I just kind of give, give, you know, the beginning of your story, starting back in Lethbridge, and just kind of give us the 101 on uh, Brent Fikowski. Yeah, so I'm Brent Fikowski, and I compete in CrossFit. That's my, uh, you know, that's my thing right now. So I guess when I was... You know, a youth athlete, I swam competitively every summer, so I competed for, that was like a three and a half, four month season. And then in the winter, I'd compete in all sorts of different sports when I was young. It was soccer, taekwondo, track and field, whatever. Um, you know, we call those winter sports in Canada, I suppose. <laughs> and then, but in the summer, it was always swimming. And then as I got older, it was volleyball. So like middle school and high school was just volleyball, swimming. Those were, you know, that was how my 12 months were spent. And then I got a scholarship to play volleyball at Lethbridge College, did that for two years. Um, didn't play much, uh, not for lack of trying, but uh, just wasn't good enough. And then I was continuing to play volleyball, was really enjoying it, Had did two years of schooling in Canada, and then did two years to finish my accounting degree in Australia. Yeah. And moved there with my best buddy, and we were going there, we were hoping to just play some beach volleyball um, competitively, but you know, nothing that would get us any money, but just for fun, like AAA stuff, AA. And uh, when I got there, one of the beach volleyball guys said, You should go to this CrossFit gym, try it out. Um, there's a good coach there. So I went there and just kind of immediately fell in love with it. It was expensive for me at the time, and so when I showed up and I knew I had the money, I budgeted it all out. And so, you know, the first week I was there, six days in a row because I'm like, well, if I'm paying for this, I'm getting my money's worth. So I'm going to, I'm going to come, I'm going to come, you know, for the full hour class, six days a week. Yeah. And then after I think a month or two, no, it was longer than that. It was probably three months. Um, I went to like a local competition and I remember not really wanting to, Oh no, I didn't want to go, but my, my expectations were very low. I kind of had put, you know, these theoretical competitors on a pedestal thinking, Oh man, everyone just doesn't stop. Like they're all just freaks. And so, but I went to this competition with, you know, 50 athletes and came fifth. Uh, and so then we kind of, my coach and I set our sights on some, uh, some bigger things and we wanted to make regionals that year, which at the time was the, the step before making it to the CrossFit Games, yeah. which was a big event. And yeah, so we, you know, as soon as he kind of set that goal and said, I think you can do it, we did the open workouts from the last year. So we're kind of six months late for qualifying, but we just did the qualifying workouts from the year before just to see if I had, you know, where my fitness was at. And sure enough, I was very close. I would have been like right on the, right on the cusp of making it with some serious holes in certain areas and focused on those areas. And then fast forward six months, there were a new set of qualifying events, did really well in those, came seventh in Australia and then uh, made it to the regionals there, came sixth and the top three made the games. So like relatively close, but definitely a cut below those top three and then moved back home to Canada and, uh, yeah, and then that was kind of like the start of, you know, me finding CrossFit. And I moved back to Canada, still, you know, finished my degree, found a full-time job in Kelowna as an accountant and uh, got to work, and but was focusing a lot on my training. Yeah, so what what year was that? Was that 2014 when you came over to Canada? Yeah, I guess it would have been like, I moved back to Canada in September of 2013. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah so that and that's what I, that's when I would have seen you that first because I the next open that you did, you were doing that over at uh, Okanagan. yeah Okanagan right, and you were doing it there. I remember we would all come and watch you and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's when I would have first met. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. And then there was one of those I remember, and I'm sure you remember this too. Where I can't remember what it was. I feel like there was muscle ups in it though. But it was a workout where you beat Jason Kalipa's time. Oh, okay. And you were like, take that, Jason. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, so now that you've kind of you know had that little intro of, of how your story began, how you got to CrossFit, just walk us through and like give us some good detail because I saw a lot of this in, in the process of your goal shifting just from regionals to really going to the games and being at the top of the games and how you navigated a lot of those, no, I wouldn't say like setbacks, but it just felt like you were always just this close, mm -hmm. right? For those couple of years. Yeah, so obviously, you know, Australia, I was, I, I had kind of achieved what I wanted to achieve in Australia. It was like, wow, I came sixth place. I've only been doing this for, I guess, yeah, I've been doing it for a year. Like, this is awesome. I'm already, you know, beating guys that I was kind of watching on YouTube and stuff. Or, And then uh, next year, I because I moved, and I had an injury after regionals there for a bit. Um, I had a, just had a really bad patella tendonitis yeah. uh, in 2013. So it was really overcoming that, figuring that out. And so going into regionals 2014, first time in Canada West, I was just thinking like, just come here, kind of like put your stamp on it, just have a solid showing. Uh, didn't really have very high expectations and then before I knew it I think after day one I was sitting in first or second mm -hmm. day two I was in first or second and at that time it was top two to qualify so it's like holy smokes you're right on the right on the cusp of making it then yeah. I next morning Sunday morning I won won the workout um, the chipper workout and then that afternoon I was like oh I'm in I'm in a qualifying spot uh, and then I lost it because my overhead squats went to went to trash um, which was pretty devastating but also I kind of wasn't expecting to be that close to qualifying for the games yet. So, you know, really within 24, 48 hours, I was just like happy about the experience. I still got a medal out of it because, <laughs> um, you know, third place, still got a medal. I just didn't qualify. And so I was just excited about the next year. It's yeah. like, wow, like I've, even with the injury and what felt like a really kind of not a solid year of training, I still made progress um, relative to the field, which is what's important. And... I was like, oh, sweet, this next year's going to be great. But then as that year sort of went along from May of 2014 to the next May of 2015, I kind of put more and more pressure on myself and was really focusing on, like, you got to make the games this year. You're good enough. Like, you have to make the games. And I did some off-season competitions, and everything was lining up that, you know, I probably had more or less the ability to make the games. And so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, getting pretty stressed. Um, and, yeah, leading up to that competition was just a bit of a wreck mentally and emotionally because I was just putting so much internal pressure on myself like this is the week and you can't screw it up and you could just kind of see it if you if you were to watch that footage you know the first workout finished that and I was like just like dumping a lot of emotion like celebrating and, and it's like children it's like <laughs> one of six events you know there's a lot of weekend left and so there was a lot of kind of like pent up emotion there and I think by the last day I was just kind of out of gas um, combined with, you know, not a great prep, um, like physically in some ways. And then, uh, also just, I wasn't good enough in handstand pushups as well. I had a really bad score in a handstand pushup workout just cause I wasn't good enough at them yet. And then, uh, the last workout just kind of didn't approach it with enough speed, just kind of messed it up. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so then again, kind of same thing. I was sitting in first place most of the weekend, more or less, uh, first or second, most of the weekend, and then slid down to seventh which was, you need to be top five. Really close semi, really close regional. I think from second to seventh, which was me, it was a matter of a couple points, which was, you know, three seconds in the last workout would yeah. have put me in third kind of thing. So that was pretty, that was really funny. You know, same result two years, but you go in with different expectations and completely different outlook. And, you know, so I was like really upset that whole summer. I don't want to use the word depressed, but if, if I've ever been depressed, that was probably when I've been depressed um, in the last 31 years. And so I was just contemplating if I wanted to do CrossFit again. I just felt like I put so much into it and I didn't know if I could do that again if, if it wasn't going to work out. And just was just kind of like, I was just kind of frustrated and just felt like, yeah, just was frustrated, right? And so I was looking into maybe 
trying rowing or just like you know whatever. I didn't really know. I wanted to still do something physically, but for sure. Um, and and this, then at this time, you're still working. Still a working full time job. job. Yeah. And, and at that time, I was. I, I think that was around the time I started working at Straw House Inc., which was a really good job, and I really enjoyed it. Tech company. Um, I was doing their books, and you know they were growing. So you know by the by the time I, I started there, when they had six employees, by the time I left, they had thirty five. Oh wow! So it was fun, like really yeah. fun. You know, Canada's fastest growing startup one year. We won some award, and so it was like really a lot of fun. Um. And so combining that with like the stress of this, it was just like, what am I doing? Uh, and then I kind of just was able to turn it around and just was able to, you know, start to get back into training, was enjoying training and, you know, set my sights on some like off-season events, which kind of reinvigorated things. Spoke with my old volleyball coach about some mental stuff and, you know, I've probably said this a few times, but um, no one watching this has probably heard me say it, so I'll say it again. And I remember going to him saying, all right, you know, like kind of back in it now, feeling good. Like I want to go into this competition with no doubt that I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. I'm going to win no matter what. Like I need to have that like veracity and, you know, can you help me with that? And, you know, told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And he sent me a, a quote from a book and it was, uh, you know, you have to surrender the outcome. You know, the, the warrior that goes into battle knowing he could die is ironically the one that's the most likely to survive. And that sort of idea of just surrendering the outcome and just just being and just doing the thing mm. as best you can and just trusting that that's going to be, not even that that's going to be enough, but that's just going to be what it's going to be. And hearing that and reading that, like immediately like a, felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and I felt so much more relaxed and like, yeah, that's kind of what I needed to hear and that made sense to me. Um, I think I was trying to be like one of those, you know, like a boxer that's just like, I'll, I'll never lose. Like no one will ever knock me out. I'm undefeated. I'll always be undefeated. That kind of mentality. And it just doesn't, that works for some people. It doesn't work for me. Um, and so then when I heard that, it just kind of allowed me to, you know, surrender the outcome and just focus on, focus on getting better and focus on performing. And then sure enough, I really, really was all about that leading up to the 2016 regionals and, uh, had a great competition. Um, probably still my best ever competition and won that, won that event. And then, you know, two months later made the games and came fourth. So, and then since then, have more or less stayed at the top, a couple little dips. And it's funny, you know, usually for me, the battle, now that there's more pressure and, you know, I don't have my accounting job anymore, I just compete. And so my money comes from either prize money and sponsorships. Uh, there's more pressure. And, you know, I was talking to a different volleyball coach, but he said, uh, yeah, money can make everything a little less fun. And that's definitely the case. It's like this, this constant battle of like taking it very seriously, but understanding that kind of the less seriously I take it and the more I just enjoy it, the actually the better I do and the better chance I have of, you know, doing well and making more money and, yeah. you know, continuing the ride. And, uh, you know, I've, I've made, it's frustrating, but I've made the slip up of putting too much pressure on myself. You know, I, I even did it this year at the games in 2022 where leading up to the event, I was putting a lot of pressure on the, the end result. And, uh, you know, it was to my detriment. Among other things, I wasn't fit enough. But definitely mentally, that was part of the, part of the problem, was I just wasn't, uh, wasn't surrendering the outcome, wasn't enjoying it. And so leading up to the event was just kind of holding just like a lot of stress, a lot of tension. And then that all bubbled over at the games when I was just kind of burnt out in a way, you know, physically, mentally, whatever, a bit of both. And then, uh, you know, as, and then I wasn't preparing. I also wasn't preparing for adversity. Right, so when you're preparing, you know, when you're preparing for adversity and when you're preparing for things to go wrong, then at least if things go wrong, you're ready for it. If things go right, it's really easy to be mentally tough when you're winning. Right? Like, yeah. Super easy when you've got a thirty-point lead to to do everything right. Um, you know, whether that be in football or CrossFit. Uh, but in this case, you know, I had a not a great first day, not a great second day, and usually by that point, I'm in the mix for a, a podium spot after day one or day two. And I was well away from that, and it was kind of like, this is unfamiliar. Um, and I wasn't really preparing for that. I was preparing for success, not preparing for adversity. And uh, it's a lot easier to prepare for adversity and then experience success and be like, oh, well, this is easy. This is fun. <laughs> I was expecting to have to deal with a bunch of crap. I was expecting to have bad judging calls. I was expecting to have a slow start. I was expecting to have bad events or, you know, in the case of football, like, you know, 
you're not expecting to fumble, but you know, you need to be ready that, Hey, if I miss two catches, like how am I going to deal with that on the third opportunity? Like, is that going to get to my head? Is that going to get to my head and my team's head? If we're down by 20 at half, like it's easy to be up by 20 at half. Like everyone knows what to do there. You freaking go in hooping and holler and giving high fives. Like let's kick these guys' ass. And if they suck, it's like, yeah, that's easy. <laughs> everyone kind of can just slip into that. What's hard is, you know, you're up by 10 and then all of a sudden just before halftime they score three touchdowns and now all of a sudden you know you're down by 11 it's like you know can you deal with that as a team as an individual and mm-hmm. it's the same in CrossFit so if you're kind of setting contingency plans and setting strategies in place with the coach on what you're going to do if those things happen you're not planning for it but knowing what to do um, all of a sudden you know when things go well it's pretty easy for sure so one thing that I really picked up a lot from you, especially just looking through your content with the Professor Project, is you talking about visualizing. And especially, I, I can't remember when you said you started doing it, but you talked about how some of the first times you started visualizing, it was almost like your brain would automatically, you'd be in a situation where it would go to like failure when you first started, mm-hmm. right? Um, how did you get out of that? And what has your you know if you're still doing it what is your visualization practice kind of evolved into as you've progressed over the years and and as part of it like you know the i'm sure i'm sure you've heard the michael phelps thing where he would visualize like his goggles flying off like everything and then there was that one race where they flew off and he's ready yes he was ready for it so is that something you do or yeah um admittedly my visualization practice is not as strong as it used to be it's not something uh i guess i could blame it on the fact that i have a new kid but um, <laughs> um, you know, usually for me, part of it too is it's tough because you know you don't know the workouts, so it's hard to visualize you know something you don't know what you're going to do yet. Yeah. Um, I do watch a lot of footage, so I, I watch a lot of footage of myself training and competing to analyze what's going wrong and what I need to change. And so, so what does what does that look like in terms of like a daily practice? So like you rewatch your workout from every day. Yeah, I mean, so you know, my, my I have my you know just my phone and. Uh, I'm just constantly filming. Pretty much every rep I do in this gym is being filmed. Okay. Like pretty much every rep. And then, uh, you know, I'm watching it immediately, either immediately after that rep or that evening, I'm going through and watching that. And just uh, sometimes I'm writing down splits of, okay, how long will those 20 burpees take me? Yeah. You know, and, um, and then, you know, recording those in my notes. Um, but also just the more you do it, you know, and, you, and even just the act of writing it down, you start to notice patterns, right? And you're like, oh, that's, that's slow, you know, that's a slow pace for 20 burpees. I just know that because every time I do burpees, I'm writing it down and you just start to recognize these trends. Um, so that practice for me, that's what it looks like. Uh, yeah, just constantly filming myself in here and because I don't have a coach with eyes on me. And even in my experience, like I've had really good coaches both online and in person, but it has to come from you. I think that's something I've learned and I've talked to other athletes about this. You know, I had a friend who went and played pro in Europe and uh, volleyball. And yeah. he was saying, you know, he's had really good coaches and it was him watching film, watching film. And he finally noticed he had this habit of, you know, he's standing here in the middle of the locker, your job is to stand like this, be ready, and then either go left or go right and, you know, help that person and put up the block, right? Yeah. And so it was just him, like, watching this footage, watching this footage, watching himself. And then finally, after, you know, days, weeks, whatever, he was noticing, he was kind of, instead of just being here and pushing, he would kind of do this little like this kind of little up down hesitation thing he's like man I'm losing like half a second and once he un- and then he went to the gym just like you know just a gym like this without even a net and just practiced doing this interesting all of a sudden he was just getting more blocks and he's like what like and this is you know he's 20 something at this age he's been playing volleyball at a high level like team alberta you know like high level and then getting paid to play for a year or two already yeah how has no one told me this? How have I not seen this? You know, and, and he found that out. He's had some of the best coaches that, that, are, that there are, right? Um, and so it's the same with me. You know, I've had great coaches, but most of the like breakthroughs and technical breakthroughs have come from me. No one's ever going to care as much as you do, right? About your own performance. Like as much as you can have the best coach in the world, you can, they can be paid to coach you, you can pay them, whatever it is. It's like you're the one that's up at night thinking about, you know, your own performance, right? You're the one that's thinking about it at breakfast, you're thinking about it at nighttime, you're thinking about it at lunchtime. Like I'm thinking about it all the time. And so I can't, you know, you can't be waiting for someone else to like find those things. Um, 
and so kind of circling back to visualization, um, uh, you know, I guess what I would recommend for most people is just, you know, if, if you're looking to get into it, I'd say most people haven't done or don't do visualization practice. So if you're looking to get into that, I would say the simplest thing to do is, um, you know, start with something simple, right? Like, you know, visualize either first person or third person, whether that's like, you know, watching yourself from a distance or in your own eyes. So if you want something, you know, if you want something, you need to get it done because you're going to be the one who cares more than any coach ever will. No matter how much you incentivize them, it's like you're probably going to be the one staying up at night thinking about it in the morning. And then any success or any failure lands on your shoulders heavier than, you know, whatever will a coach. Um, but uh, back to the thought of visualization, <laughs> which is where this all started. And that was, uh, you know, I think it's like anything, it's just practice. So... Um, you know, pick something, if you want to give it a shot, like pick something simple like a burpee or whatever sport you're playing and just visualize yourself doing the thing, especially mm -hmm. first start with something you know you're really good at, um, that you know you always do well and then start with that and then just progress to things that you're actually trying to improve. And it's interesting because if you have trouble visualizing um, yourself succeeding, you know, there's, there's also a potential kind of, there's an opportunity there for growth. Right, if you always visualize yourself failing a lift or you always visualize yourself you know, tripping when you fall off the blocks, it's like, oh, there's something subconsciously there um, that's kind of maybe holding you back. But, uh, but interestingly, it, it also, it's kind of, I realize it's a little bit counterintuitive because I was saying like plan for failure, but I think um, you, know, you need to have like contingencies. Okay, what am I gonna do if I get no rep? Right, in CrossFit, that's when you know, a judge is, uh, you know, you're doing whatever burpees and the judge says, that one didn't count, your chest didn't hit the floor. Some athletes will go, what, what do you mean? Like, don't do that, just go hit the floor. Like, hit the deck, man. Like, you, that, you, that's wasted time, you're never getting that back. And it's the same, same in any sport. If the ref gives you a bad call, it's like, well, how are you gonna deal with that? Um, you're gonna keep playing, you're gonna get emotional about it, you know, how do you, what kind of athlete do you wanna be? And all those things are your choice. Yeah. So I think with visualization, it's like anything, it's just practice, it's not, there's not any real, crazy hacks I've found that have uh, made it easier. It's just work and it just takes time. And admittedly, like I said, it's not something that I've prioritized as much, at least not the individual movements because I've been, that work is sort of being done like in the gym, you know, during the session, immediately after the session. I'm just always thinking like technically about those things. So the visualization, it's not as, uh, not as much a priority. Yeah. So when you were doing it and when it was a priority, what did it look like in terms of like duration and would you focus on one? So you said you would start with the things that people look at, which I think is really good. And then when you started to really get into it, would you focus on one specific thing? Because that's kind of what I've came to where it's like I'll focus on like this one area. It's like, oh, like catching with my left hand over. Like sometimes that's a little uncomfortable. So it's like just doing that over and over again. How would you, how did it look like when you were in your prime with that? Yeah, I would say when I was doing it the most, uh, definitely leading up to a competition as soon as I knew the events I would definitely be doing it then so um, in CrossFit sometimes you get an hour and then you have to do a workout sometimes you get I think the most I've ever gotten is two and a half weeks and so if you get a workout two and a half weeks before you have to do it you can visualize yourself doing the entire workout I'll, I'll do the whole workout in my head and time it see how close I can get to like the projected time I used wow. to do that um, so with swimming, like I used to do that, and I'd be within a couple seconds of, of my time, which, you know, those are only a minute to two minute races. Um, but you'd know how many strokes it takes you to get to the wall. So you're just one, two, and you, know, you get to 10 or 12, and it's touch and flip. Um, whereas with CrossFit, the workouts are usually longer, right? Anywhere from a minute, but maybe 15 is usually kind of common. So if there's, a, if there's an event, it's like, okay, you're gonna do, you know, 10 thrusters, and like, what's, what are the cues you're gonna be focusing on? You're gonna think about like, keeping tension in your core or really locking up, pushing your head through or whatever that is. And you're going to do 10 and then you're going to drop the bar and you're going to take two deep breaths and then you're going to pick it up. And you're going to, you know, maybe you have to roll it forward. Like that's part of the event, right? Is rolling it forward to the next marker. And then you're going to jump over it or you're going to step over it. And then you're going to go to the rig and you're going to perform chest bar pull-ups. It's like, well, you know, are you going to turn left? You're going to turn right. You know, are you going to chalk? Where's the chalk? You know, so you're kind of like going through all those little details. And so ideally, you're, if, if you have enough time, especially with two and a half weeks, you're able to visualize those things. And then when you get out there, I call it a choreography. So it's like a dance, 
right? If you're you know, in a dance troupe or something and you have to perform a dance on stage, it's like that. It's just painful. It's like called painful choreography. <laughs> and that's what CrossFit is, right? Because there's no, there's no offense, defense. There's, no, there's very little reacting other than to what a judge might say. Or again, if something goes wrong, like, you know, a dumbbell like explodes or, you know, some, something kind of extreme, but something, things that I've never seen happen, yeah. you know, usually more or less it's just go and you're just in your lane and you do your reps and everyone else is doing their thing, whether they're ahead or behind you, like it really doesn't matter. Um, and you're just doing, you're performing this painful choreography. And so for me, I'm trying to, you know, perform exactly the moves in the exact order, the exact amount of time that I've planned out. And especially in the case of regionals back in the day, you'd know these events, like I said, maybe two and a half, maybe a week and a half, sometimes maybe even a little longer. And so you'd be, you'd have an opportunity to practice these events. And so I would practice them at the gym. I'd set them up as close as possible with the transitions and the bar heights and the weights and everything was the exact same. And then you can time yourself and you compare it to another event that just finished you're looking at your footage and you're looking at theirs and then you're visualizing yourself doing it over and over again, changing something you did wrong. Um, and then, yeah, so it's like you can, you can only do the actual event maybe once, maybe twice before the event if you're lucky, usually zero times. Uh, and so you have the opportunity to sit there and go through it in your head and practice those things. And, you know, when I'm doing that, I'm thinking about everything that's going right, right? I'm practicing it exactly how I'm intending. I'm not... I'm not envisioning something extreme. Like, I'm not like, oh, you'll go unbroken for sure. Oh, you'll set a world record by five minutes. Like, no, I'm going to visualize what I think is going to happen. And so, in, in some cases, there'd be an event that I knew wasn't going to go particularly well for me um, relative to the, the, the field. Group, the yeah. field. And so, I would visualize, like, hey, Brent, there's going to be athletes, you know, at this point in the workout, they're going to be, they're going to be leaving the rig and you're going to be coming to the rig. Like, they'll be, you know, kind of skunking you or whatever yeah. the crib. <laughs> and so, you know, you're going to be hearing them or kind of seeing them in your peripherals. You might even hear the crowd cheer as they leave the rig. That's usually what happens as athletes move forward. There's like an eruption and they're not going to be cheering for you. And that's frustrating. So it's like, you know, but just, and you, you need to have these affirmations. Like, don't worry about it, Brent. You're not racing them. You're racing the clock, right? You're racing some guy in the heat before you who set a time that's going to be within seconds of your time and you're trying to beat him to get five more points because those five more points might mean everything at the end of the weekend. Um, so it's like all those, it's just like in any sport, like the little details can potentially add up. Um, and so in CrossFit, it's like more like golf where you have you know each hole, like every stroke matters. Even if you're having a really good hole or really bad hole, it's like every stroke matters because they all add up at the end. And so, you know, you kind of visualize that where it's like, hey, it's, you know, something miraculous isn't going to happen. I'm not all of a sudden going to be in the lead in this workout where, you know, I'm not particularly good at like heavy front squats and strict handstand push-ups. So if it's that, someone's going to be blowing by me. So just kind of know that you're not going to be in this like epic race to the finish for first place. Like that's not going to happen. So how are you going to deal with it when you're just kind of in the pack, when you're at the end of the pack? And so I'll visualize that and visualize myself just like, grinding and pushing really hard and still sprinting to the finish even though I'm not racing anyone because I might be racing someone in you know there's four or five heats of ten men so there's someone else who's jogging to the finish I'm going to sprint in my heat and I'm going to take those five points away from that guy because I want those points so that's kind of like what my visualization process looks like and I suppose actually while I say this I still do these things it's just not as like you know so in Dubai you know, they'd announce an event and you'd only have 24 hours. And so, you know, I'd just start typing and writing. So I'd be writing all this stuff out, um, you know, writing down how long I think things are going to take and how I'm going to split things up. And so I'm still writing all this stuff down and I'm not like lying there, you know, and visualizing the whole thing, but I have, I have a set plan. And so, yeah, it's like close enough. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about that, that 2015 kind of being that low, like, yeah. and you said you turned it around, what, if you could pin it to this, what was the exact moment or was there something, some sort of empowering meaning you took from things? Like what was the exact shift that got you to turn it around? Because I guarantee you there's a lot of people and like myself that have, are either are going through something like that or have gone through something mm -hmm. like that, right? And I think it's kind of interesting just to think about what was that moment because there was a moment, right? Yeah, yeah and it's, it's, it's probably never going to be as dramatic as something you'd see in a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Um, but I would say 
you know, the, the biggest one was definitely what the coach said, which was like surrender the outcome. But at that point, I was already, I was already back on track. Yeah. I was training and I was, I was excited to compete. It was just like, all right, now that I'm feeling like I'm going to do this again, like what's the plan? And then he just kind of put the, the cherry on top. So the thing that got me back into the headspace of like, all right, I'm going to keep doing this um, after like considering quitting, uh, I'd say it was probably two things. The one was just getting back in the gym. You know, just getting back in the gym, um, getting my coach to give me a program that I felt accountable to, mm-hmm. and just, you know, enjoying it, right? So if, if you're dealing, if this is a sport uh, and someone's going through a rough patch, it's like, just go do the sport, right? Like, find the love of it again, you know, just go and practice, go and play a game, go and play a pickup game, you know, go to the gym, have something you're, like, kind of accountable to. And so for me, that was a coach. It's like, hey, give me, give me some programming this week. It doesn't have to be... Like, I don't want it to be anything too crazy, like <laughs> easing back into it, but I want something that I feel accountable to that's, that is progressing me towards a goal. Yeah. So that helped a lot, just feeling like, you know, attached to that. But then the other thing was, um, oh man, I had another really good one. Hold on. It was uh, accountable to the goal, releasing the outcome. Oh yeah, regrets. So it was, it was kind of this question of, hey, in... You know, is this is this little setback? Are you going to let this be the end? And so, in five, ten years from now, you look back on this. Are you going to regret? What would you regret more, quitting or, or sticking to it? I think that was basically what it is, and that's even come up now. You know, I'm thinking about now, like, oh, and I'm getting older. I'm 31. Like, I'm going to keep competing. Should I like switch gears and you know pursue business a little more, accounting? you know, what, sh- what should I do? Like, and then I'm like, well, I think you'd regret, you know, I don't think, I don't think you'd look back and regret and say, Hey man, you know, you kept, you kept at it and you just kind of sucked. <laughs> like I wouldn't regret that. Cause like, Hey, you know what? I gave it a good shot. And from 31 to 35, you just kind of sucked and you just didn't have it anymore, but you gave it a good crack. Like I wouldn't regret that. Whereas conversely, if I was just like, you know what? I think my best days are behind me. I'm good. I might look back a couple years from now ah, you know, I think I have a few more years in me. So that, it was that sort of like, you know, if I could talk to my future self and that future self give me advice, it'd be like, Brent, it's not the end of the world, it's a setback, mm-hmm. right? And you hear that all the time. You hear it in sports, you hear it, you know, listen to musicians or actors or on podcasts and they'll say, yeah, you know, like I had this, I had this job at this great show, this TV show and it's going to pay me a lot of money and then it got canceled before the first episode aired and I was devastated. And, you know, oh my gosh, and And then I got an offer for this other TV show, and sure enough, it was Seinfeld. You know, it was something huge, right? And it was, turns out that was, at the time, it seemed like the end of the world, but in the grand, like, story, the the book of your life, it was just the end of a chapter that was the cliffhanger for the, like, the setup for the actual, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. And and that's, and that's, I think we can tend to look at, you know, the, the most famous athletes, whether that's like a Michael Jordan or something, and just see like success. But it's like, no, along the way, there were like, there were trials and tribulations, right? It was like losing to the Detroit Pistons for whatever, two or three seasons and having to overcome them, and, you know, losing to the Orlando Magic and then like rebuilding you know, all those things. Like, you know, it's not like there's, there's never been a success story that just looks like this, right? It's always this, yeah. always, you know, and sometimes there's, there's, you know, plateaus and there's peaks and there's valleys and, and usually it's not just this and then I'm done and then retire. It's like this and then it's down and it's up and then, you know, and then it, so eventually it ends if you're looking at an athletic career. But, um, and you don't know what all those, it's just like the stock market. You don't know what the peaks and the troughs are until they're already done, right? It's easy to look back on the last 10 years of the stock market and be like, oh, you should have sold then. <laughs> yeah, you know, you should have bought then, you know, but in, it's the same, you know, and so I think if, if you're dealing with athletes or you're in business, it's like, you know, yeah, I think it's kind of that same, it's that same thing where I think it's, you're always better off like giving it a crack. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about it earlier before we came in here and, you know, I told you that, and a lot of people that are listening to this, yes, this is the guy I've been talking about. That's the most detailed person I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. You probably can already tell from a lot of things he said, but you know, what you said before really, really hit me. And I think it's really good to talk about people being themselves. And, and I also wanted to ask you, like, and you kind of already answered it, but say it again, like, where does this, for, for everyone who doesn't know, 
Brando's known as the professor, so you can already tell by the nickname how he how he um, operates in his day to day life. But where does that come from, um, and and how is it obviously? And you would probably attribute it to a lot of your success that you've had. But how how has it led to your success? And um, like really, the biggest thing that I think about is how are you able to maintain it through all these years, right? Such an obsessive approach to what you do. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's something that I'm feel like I've learned more about myself in that way in the last like, you know, maybe two years than I have before. And uh, so I've known Nolan for quite a while now and um, have done like, I don't know, a little little bit of mentoring to you kind of in a way. And because um, I, I see a lot of myself in Nolan. Um, and so I'm, my nickname is The Professor and that's because I'm just very analytical and I mean, I became an accountant because I think it just suited me, right? Um, but even in, you know, so I was talking to my parents, I'm, I'm raising my first girl, she's only eight months old. And so I was talking to my parents about like, what was I like when I was a kid? You know, just trying to figure it out, right? And they said, oh, you know, you know, they said like you would, if you were tired, you know, this is by the time I was two years old, they'd be like, I'm tired. And I'd just like walk to my room and go to bed, just put myself to bed. Um, or I would, I loved action figures and I would like take the action figure out of the bubble casing, play with it and I'd like put it back in so I didn't lose any of the pieces. And that was just that, those weren't things that were taught. That was just kind of how it was. And my, my dad's kind of like that too. He's quite particular. Um, and so I think throughout CrossFit, like I've, I've always, you know, right away in CrossFit, I was like, oh, you know, you can do 20 burpees a minute. And you know, if you're going fast, you can do 15 muscle-ups a minute if you take one break or a six-second break. or You know, I was always doing that math. That's why they gave me that nickname within the first couple months of doing CrossFit yeah. in Australia before it was, like, you know, my big thing. Um, and so throughout the years, I think I've – sometimes I've went away from that and, you know, maybe I've had a coach or a, you know, sports psychologist or something or I read an article and I was trying to be someone else. I was trying to implement mental strategies like, oh, you can win no matter what and you're this beast or – maybe trying to, you know, um, step away from that analytical side of myself and go to more like instinctual where it's like, I'm just going to go out there and feel it out and just, you know, be, be an animal. And that, that type of kind of more like maybe like a fighter mentality, um, like a stereotypical one, I guess. And that just didn't work for me, right? It was, it was a mis- not that it was a mistake to try, but it didn't work for me. And then when I just settled in, I'm like, Brent, you're you, you know, like you are you and don't let someone else tell you how to be you. Like when you're the most you, you've done the best. And there's like data, you know, there's re- results and medals to show that and podium finishes to show that and you're the most comfortable. So just lean into it, you know, like don't stifle some nerdy impulse because, you know, just because you feel like you should or someone, you know, you read something that says that's, that's too thorough. Um, because there's just so many ways to do it, right? I think, I think that's probably the circling this all around, you know, I wouldn't tell everyone, every CrossFitter that I were, let's say I was a coach, I would not try to get every CrossFitter to approach it the same way as me. Because for some people, it would not work. Just not work. They would, I would tell them all these like minute details like, Brent, you're, you're crazy. Like this is, this doesn't make sense to me. Why would I want to do this? Um, for some, it would. And so for example, uh, you know, I think if you look at world champions or Olympic champions or NBA champions or MVPs of the NBA or MVPs of NFL, you're going to get a lot of different personality types. Some of them are going to be like Allen Iverson, you know, he was just, he was himself and he was an easygoing guy and he liked to party. He even said in interviews, like I was not Kobe Bryant, you know, like I would, sometimes I wouldn't come up, show up to practice and, you know, there's obviously the famous quote, but he's like, he's like, because I was tired and I just didn't want to go. You know, and that's just him, right? And he was, but he was, that's, that was unapologetically him and it worked for him and he was very successful. Um, and you, you know, you hear Kobe and I'm not saying I'm anything like Kobe, but you know, he was like just relentless and he, he was more relentless than his teammates, but some of his teammates were also really successful too. So, um, you know, Michael Phelps like can still remember like all his splits, right? And so I think I would have people come to me, maybe trying to tell me, to be more like, I don't know, some, some other athlete that maybe they felt was, was better than me. Or, and I think that sometimes in a sport as young as CrossFit, maybe there's like a, a worshipping of like a Matt Fraser or a Tia Claire Toomey or, Matt, mm-hmm. or a Rich Froning because they've had the most success. 
So people might try to emulate them. I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to emulate Tim Duncan, right? Or, uh, you know, like I said, like Michael Phelps, right? Like maybe that's more what works for me. Mm. Um, but then there's going to be people on like a totally different end of the spectrum. And it just, you need to find like a mental strategy, competition strategy, you know, even a programming strategy, a coaching strategy that mends well with you because the best coach in the world for you might not be the best coach in the world for me. Uh, and so for me, like being the professor, that super analytical approach, like it does the opposite of burden. Right. It, it, yeah. it makes, you know, and so I just don't stifle. Like if I, if I think of something, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the bike and I'm, you know, whatever, doing my intervals and then I finish and I go, you know, I don't know, like I'll, I'll just, I'll bring up, like now I bring my measuring tape to competitions now. Cause I'm just like, if people think I'm a nerd or a loser, like I don't care. I'm bringing my measuring tape. So I have my measuring tape and I'm just measuring stuff. Going to the rig and measuring out how high the pull up bar is. Measuring how high my jump rope is, <laughs> measuring the box of the handstand push-ups. I go to my notes and I have measurements from this gym so I compare. You know, I know how thick the handles are on my farmer's carries. Like all these stupid things. But I'm like, I just like it. Like it's just, and it doesn't, it doesn't stress me out. I think some people are like, well, what if it's different? I'm like, well, no, then I know how different it is. I know it's one inch different than what I'm used to. And, I, and then I can make a decision on how to adapt to that. And then I just do it. And it takes that stress out of it. Then like, that looks different than at home. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about that. And that's what stresses me out is like the unknown. Once I know and I have a plan, then I can be free to be myself. And that's usually a competition. It's like there's an irony for me that usually the competitions, if, if someone's watching this, like watch a lot of footage of me, usually the situations where I look like I'm having the most fun or maybe I'll like, you know, have some cheeky whatever, uh, like celebration at the finish line or something. Those things are usually happening when I've done like the most ridiculous thorough preparation for that event or that competition. So then I'm just free, I'm not stressed. It's like, oh, I've got someone, someone's handling my food, I've got all my food weighed, you know, I'm tracking my sleep, I know exactly the diameter of all the pull-up bars, like I have all my, I know exactly how I'm gonna break this workout, workout out, I'm gonna do sets of three with five seconds rest, you know, I'm gonna transition slow, then I'm gonna transition fast on the last round, like all these things, I've got it all planned. Yeah. And then I'm, I just feel free, it's this choreography that's been, the whole weekend is just planned out for me. And I just get to go and kind of like dance my way through it, as opposed to, you know, if I didn't have all those things, and the, the, so the stress sometimes and the, the fanaticism sometimes comes a little bit before where I'm getting all those things dialed in and I've got a huge to-do list before I go to Miami, let's say, like, oh, I gotta plan this, I gotta find time for this. Oh, how far is the ride? Okay, how far is the, you know, are there lots of Ubers, whatever it is. Then once that stuff's all done, I'm just free to be myself. Yeah. Um, so I think like, and not everyone's like me and like you're, you're like me, um, more than most people I've met. Uh, but if, if you're not like me, it's like, just be yourself and don't, if, you know, if someone like me is trying to get you to be like me, don't listen to them because you're, you're just not right. It's like, if you're not that people can't change, but you know, um, if, if me talking about all those little things makes your head spin, it doesn't excite you. Like spreadsheets excite me, right? Like that, you know, got spreadsheets on all my zone two work, right? And I'm like tracking changes because I just enjoy it. Like that, that brings me joy. But if that's like, well, that sounds like too much work. Then it's like, maybe you need a coach that balances that out or someone's doing a little bit of that work for you to make sure things are happening behind the scenes, but you don't need to know the details, right? Yeah. Because some of those details, you know, you kind of, someone needs to be tracking them, but I don't know. Hopefully that kind of answers the question. But I think it's just like, yeah, just don't be afraid to be yourself, right? And don't, don't let people try to like push you in a direction that like doesn't like resonate with your inner like voice if that makes sense and I think because that's just like grinding there's, there's already enough struggle in, in your life and in sports that if you're just like trying to push yourself a square peg into a round hole um, whether that's like a mindset or something like that it's, yeah it's just not gonna work yeah that's an incredible answer I totally agree with that too and like you're saying I believe yeah, everyone can change, but when, when it comes to their, like, true nature within them, right, there's there's certain things, like you're saying, that people gravitate towards, yeah. and that's really, like, one of my passions in life is, like, what's life on your terms, you know? Like, what do you really want, and, you, like, what wakes you up in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, finding something that really drives you, like, spreadsheets for you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, you know, and that's, and that, yeah, different people, it's going to be totally different things, and and, and then there's some people that literally, they just want to lie in bed and watch TV. You know, like I could do that for like a day and then I'd just go crazy. Um, 
But if that's you, then I mean, you still get out of bed. But <laughs> but you know, it's it's just different, right? Yeah, there's For sure. you have to find kind of like what makes you click. And you know, they say, what do they say? You know, find something you love, and you never do work a day in your life. It's not really true. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I'm doing like what I love, but it's definitely still work, and it's definitely yeah. still hard. But it's a it's a lot easier than if I was, you know. Um, there's definitely certain jobs that would just not suit my personality. I just couldn't put up with them. Like I couldn't serve coffee all day because um, I just don't like working with the general public that much. I just couldn't do it. No way. Zero chance. I've done it. And it's just so exhausting for me. Right. Where some people are people. Yeah, I would feed them. Right? Yeah, they, they love it. They love bringing a smile to people's face. They love, they love giving people food and you know, whether it's coffee or, you know, whatever, being a cook or something like that. It's like some people that's going to work great for me. It would just drive me crazy. But I could totally just sit in a room and just work on spreadsheets, which would drive those people, you know, nice. themselves. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's really good stuff. Even, even too, like the reason we're doing this, it's like maybe there is someone that's in their bed right now that really in their nature it's to be like this, but they haven't had an environment to cultivate yeah. that up to this point too, right? I'll have a few more questions here and then I'll let you get to your training yeah, session. Yeah, no worries. I, I got time. Um, what would you say to 2014 brand before you start this whole big journey down all this what what advice would you have for him yeah that's a good question i think um probably maybe not the answer that i think i wouldn't tell him anything because everything's been fine for you sure. know what i mean like i think that's i remember i've i heard someone get asked this question on a different podcast and that was their answer i was like i really like that because you know everything that's happened you know it's all led me to here and i'm doing good I think when I look back on the last 10 years of competing in CrossFit, I think there's kind of like different levels of, if you want to call the word regrets, and that might be what you try to like fix, right? I think on the one hand, there's little things in competition. It's like, oh, you know, rest a little longer before you started that handstand walk in 2018. Or, you know, because that could have been, you know, instead of fourth, you might have come second in the world if you just rested longer. Or, you know, make sure you lock out that left elbow and buy or whatever it is right like these little stupid little things in a competition I'm sure just like in football you're like oh I should have turned left instead of right and I would have caught the ball right like but I don't really regret any of those things I think if anything what I would look back on and the advice that I'm giving some young athletes is just take it's kind of exhausting but you just have to take extreme accountability of everything mm. just everything everything that happens to you is because of you, it's either your fault or it's um, because of you. You know, don't wait on a manager, don't wait on a coach, don't wait on your parents, don't wait on a DM, don't wait on an email, like it's all you, right? So if you wanna get better, if you wanna make more money, if you wanna get a different job, whatever it is, it's like all, you can't wait for anyone because no one else cares about you as much as you do. You're not even close. Um, you could have, and, and I've had great coaches and I have a great coach, but it's like, you know, and it's it's just exhausting to have to be like, oh man, I have to I have to do the work. Like I have to go to the gym and train, but I also have to learn about energy systems, and I also have to learn about like better technique. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if someone else worried about those things for you? It's like, yep, it would. But you know, unless you have like an extreme amount of money to pay like a super professional, well, guess what? Like all those professionals are busy. You know, the best in the world are busy, or they're really expensive. You know, so you need to pay them a lot of money to get their attention and get their help um, and make them care. So I think like if I was to give myself advice in 2014, it would just be, you know, like trust your instincts, like be yourself um, and just take like extreme ownership even more than I was taking back then. Um, sometimes I would kind of try to pass some things off because I'm like, oh, I got so much on my plate. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, I need to find someone who can do this and help me with this. And yeah, I should have just kept it. It's a lot of work or, you know, never dish off the things that are like the key moving pieces to your goal. Right. So maybe there's things like, oh, I guess I could, you know, get someone to do my laundry or something. Cause it's like, that's not really something that's really moving the dial on where I want to be. But the big moving pieces of your big, big picture goals, like you need to be very in touch with those so whether that's you know if you're a swimmer it's like you know like technique videos and you know like nutrition just like learning about all that stuff that's going to move the needle to make you swim faster mm -hmm. um, and with CrossFit it's like energy systems programming 
you know, making, like for me, it's making spreadsheets like, you know, how many times a week should I be doing handstand walks? Like, what's the answer to that? Like, I don't know. Like, every day? Could do it every day. It's not really that, like, demanding. But th that seems like a lot. So just figuring out, like, answering that question. It's funny, in training, plenty of doubts seep in, but I'm just, I don't know, maybe practice or whatever. But when I go to competition, whatever's on the bar, I always believe I can lift it, which is good. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, you know, moments like that, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think back. It's been so long. It's been five, six years now since that. Um, you know, I think it was, it was just, uh, approaching that bar with just a lot of aggression and like excitement and then focusing on, you know, just one or two cues that like I knew would, uh, that would work for me, whether it's like, you know, smoke the shrug or like keep tension off the floor or whatever that is, or really push into the bar once it gets overhead. Um, and then just also what's nice about the CrossFit games is like trying to use the crowd, right? Like, you know, usually do a little like this and get them cheering and you're like, oh man, you get these butterflies, you get this like, just feel it crawl up you like someone just tickled your feet or something and you get the goosebumps. And so, you know, not being afraid to kind of use that, use that energy, um, which is unlike, you know, anything you're going to experience in the gym, no matter how much caffeine. Oh, bastards. Whatever. That's all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no matter how much, no matter how much caffeine you have, uh, you know, you can, you can never emulate that energy. So I think, you know, for moments like that, um, yeah, just trying to like, trying to soak it in and enjoy it. And, um, but also not let the moment like get away from you and get too wrapped up in like, holy smokes, look at all these people. Yeah. Um, just like the kind of that fun balance between making it feel like you're in the gym, but also, uh, you know, like using that energy from the crowd as well. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay, last two questions here. If everything you did, everything you had was was gone mm -hmm. and you could only leave three things to your kids, whether that's lessons, quotes, um, theories, what would those three things be? You know, I, I would say something along the lines of, you know, if, if you want something, you need to you need to work for it. And we're super fortunate with the internet that you know, if, if you think you want something, like figure out what it takes to get that and then determine if that path is a path you want to, if you want to be on, right? So if you want to be a marine biologist and, you know, swim with the fishes, it's like, okay, you know, find a marine biologist or find a video on a marine biologist and figure out like, what are the steps to become that? And does that journey, you know, interest me? And then does that lifestyle, once I get there, interest me as well? Can that job bring me enough money to live the lifestyle? You know, like just like getting real with like goals, just like adequate goal setting and then, and then working towards those goals and like knowing that there's a difference between quitting and giving up. And I think a lot of people, uh, it's fine to quit if, if the juice isn't worth the squeeze, but I think a lot of people give up on things. And so, you know, just like not being afraid to work really hard towards something that you know you want and you know you could achieve if you're just willing to like you know, sacrifice a little bit and dedicate yourself a little bit, um, now to achieve something better later. And that's, that's just life. You know, if you, the bigger the goal is, the more you're going to have to work for it. And you know, the, the crappier it's going to be, you know, now to get somewhere better later. Um, and so hopefully, you know, just to delay gratification. And that's something like, you know, hopefully we can continue to teach our daughter is just mm -hmm. like, you know, if you want something like you have to, you have to do something for it. Right. And that's like continual. And I think, because of the internet and you have TikTok or whatever, it's like instant gratification is, is all around us. And yeah. so kind of removing that, how to create a little bit of toughness in a marshmallow world um, is like a really tough thing. And then, uh, yeah, I'd say like, kind of like what I already said, just like be yourself, right? Like don't be afraid to, you know, if, if, if you like something or you love something or there's something that just like brings you energy, like, you know, it's okay to lean into that. It's okay to specialize in that. And, um, at the same time, don't be afraid to try new things, but uh, especially when you're younger. But then, you know, as you, as you turn into yourself and if there's certain things you like or don't like, don't feel like you have to follow the crowd. If, you know, if they all want to go out and party and you're like, you know what, I want to I wanna read or I want to work mm. on this. It's like, don't. But if you do want to go and party, like, that's fine too, right? But, uh, you know, I think, I think that's kind of important to, you know, it's a, I guess that's a balance between following like animal instincts and, and then, you know, working towards a goal sometimes, but for sure.
create adequate goals. I just, it's funny, I see so many people that think they're goal setting and they don't even know how to get there. Oh, I wanna make the CrossFit games and they haven't done an open workout. You know, and you're like, well, if you don't know what you're, that's the first step, you just freaking go and do one. And then if you're way off, it's like, oh, maybe I can't make the games, or at least not this year, right? Like you just see that kind of stuff all the time or, you know, any, any goal, oh, I wanna be a, you know, marine biologist, it's like, well, you need really good grades in school and there's only three schools, universities that take that. First, you need your undergrad or whatever that is. It's yeah. like, so get to work, right? Like that's, it's easy to just like say those things. It's a whole nother thing to like go and get them. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that'd be some advice is just like, you know, have very clear, realistic goals and make sure that that lifestyle and those goals line up with what you're willing to give. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, it seems simple, but it, it's very consistent where you know have conversations with people and obviously most of my conversations were all around CrossFit um, and it's just like a lack of understanding of like where you are where you need to be and what's the difference and how to change that difference yeah yeah for sure okay well before I la ask this last question just want to say uh, you know I can commend you with all the preparation you do all the work that you do like it's you've inspired a lot of people and it's still just the beginning. So keep going, keep doing your thing. Um, and I know you said you mentored me a little bit, but you made a huge difference in oh, everything up, up to now. And even with the professor project, you're creating ripples a lot oh, thanks, more man. than you realize. So that's good. No, that's, that's, I appreciate that. Yeah. So this last question, maybe I should have gave you more prep on this <laughs> one too, but, uh, the name of the podcast is the make it happen podcast. So when I say make it happen or when that comes to your mind, what, what does that mean to you? Um, when I say make it happen, what does that mean to me? I would say that means, you know, stop talking about it and be about it, right? It's, uh, I think, and I can speak to this as well. Like if I have a to-do list, um, you know, on an app or on a, on a piece of paper, it's picking, picking the thing on there that's the most important, not the thing that's the easiest. Right. So instead of just like, oh, I'll do the dishes or all, oh, you know, watch that show up to me to watch. It's like, no, like what's the thing on there? Like, you know, start working on that school project you've been putting off. Just start it. Once you start it, it'll be easier. Just, just set the commitment, open up the book, start typing 15 minutes, you know, just, just make it happen. Just, just start it. Um, and you know, you'll feel better if you do. And it's the same with, oh, I want to lose weight. And I, I know some people, they might say that and they, oh, I got to do a bunch of research. It's like, just put on your running shoes, go for a walk. You know, just empty out your cupboard of all the junk food and just start eating better. Like there's no secrets, right? You could look, you could research five hours a day for three years and still not know everything about weight loss. Just, it's pretty simple, you know, exercise, eat good food, <laughs> go to bed. Um, and so I think that's when I hear make it happen, it's just, it's like keeping it simple. And just doing doing the thing, like the obvious thing that's staring you right in the face that you know you need to do, and you're you're looking for the easy way. You're looking for the other thing that's maybe a little easier or a little more convenient or the hack. And it's like, well, if you want to get strong, go lift the weights. Go to bed, eat some protein. You know, if you want to get good at football, it's like go play football. You know, <laughs> like get out there and do it. Go to bed early. You know, it's just like these simple things. Um, and I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it too. You kind of meander and you, you do the, the other things that are, oh, that's a little more comfortable, a little easier. It's like, no, just go and do, do the main thing that's really driving it forward. Don't, don't look for the, the easy fix or the other little thing. If the, if the thing's working, just keep doing the thing mm -hmm. until it stops working and then maybe you can do it a little longer. And then if it really stops working, then you try something else. But yeah, that'd be, that'd be make it happen to me. It's just, uh, yeah, just like keeping it simple and just, you know, doing the thing. If, if it's like, hey, if you want to start a podcast, like just start it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to have the best camera equipment. You know, don't wait until the timing's right. You know, don't wait until you have 100 guests lined up. Just start. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just freaking make an Instagram handle, make a YouTube account, and just slap it on there and start talking. <laughs> you know? And, and, then, and, then it can, and then you can quit later, but just, just go. Just do it. Yeah. And there he is, Brent Fakowski. Thank you guys so much. For tuning in i'm always so honored that you choose to spend your time with me and and i'm, I'm so grateful for for all the the community and the people that that have been helped by the show so i just want to say please rate review and share this it really really helps this this podcast grow and i just i want to see people's quality of life improve and i want 
people to realize that uh, we are who we are because of other people. And I want to bring that incredible content from other people on the show. And, and I'll be posting on Mondays this year and uh, I'm going to keep it consistent. So it's going to be a good, good year. Great year. Incredible year. Outstanding year. We're going to crush it. And I'm so excited to be there for you guys. Text me, DM me, whatever, whatever it is. Let me know how you're liking the show. Give me feedback. It really helps me improve. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much. Make it happen. Out.